1: Hello, beloved family. How are you? I pray that you're well. I'm well. All is well because God never leaves his throne. Um, And anybody says, well, where was God when Pope Francis removed Bishop Strickland? Where was he when my son died? Where was he when uh, my husband left? Where was he when uh, whatever it was? And I say to you, he was the same place he was when his own son was on the cross. God is on his throne, he is building his church, he's given us free will, and he doesn't violate that. Um, <clears throat> he's done everything he can, um, or, or wills, to save us. But if we refuse to be saved, then he will not violate, he doesn't send anyone to hell, but he um, allows our free will. So someone once said in the end, it, it'll be those who say, thy will be done, and there are those to whom God will say, thy will be done. That's a tragic situation. Um, The bishops in Baltimore are uh, in their session, in their annual meeting, and uh, um, Bishop Strickland is not in there with them, uh, and I haven't had results of that yet, I don't know the exact dates or when they'll be done, um, but I think we need to pray for them. And in the interim, a very reliable Catholic source is the Lepanto Institute, uh, headed by Michael Hitchborn. They produce uh, programs, papers, tremendous research on where the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops And other Catholic organizations are spending their money, whether or not they are donating to Catholic causes or to causes that are utterly uh, sinful and against God. And they came out a day or two ago with a paper that was titled, A Plea to the Catholic Bishops of the United States. I saw it online, but at the moment I'm reading it from churchmilitant.com, their website website. They produce the entire thing. It's written by Michael Hitchborn, the head of Lepanto, <clears throat> and it's the Lepanto Institute's open letters to open letter to our shepherds and begins, Dear Excellency slash eminence, for the last 15 years, I, this is Michael Hichborn, have been alerting you to the fact that the Catholic Campaign for Human Development otherwise shortened CCHD, Catholic Campaign for Human Development regularly provides funding to organizations that act directly against Catholic moral and social teachings. We have profiled hundreds of CCHD-funded organizations that are actively promoting abortion, contraception, homosexuality, transgenderism, and outright Marxism. This is Organizations that are part of the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. The information we have provided on these organizations, which account for millions of dollars collected from faithful Catholics, comes from primary sources, meaning these organizations and their leaders are directly admitting what we have reported them doing. Yet despite our best efforts to provide you with the best available information, The CCHD's leadership and staff, without providing any tangible refutation of the facts we present, deny all wrongdoing on the part of the grantees and tell you to ignore our reports. A few months ago, we sent packets of information to each of you, each of the bishops, to give you solid proof of organizations directly violating Catholic moral and social teaching. The evidence in our reports contained screenshots from organizational social media pages where the organization itself was directly promoting abortion, contraception, LGBT ideologies, and socialism. In response to these reports, Bishop Timothy Sr., the current chairman of the USCCB's subcommittee for the CCHD, claimed on October 11th that, one, the staff of CCHD have confirmed that the concerns expressed by the Lepanto Institute regarding these groups are unfounded. It just, beloved, it astounds me. Straight out lies by our bishops. It astounds me. And secondly, that individuals, this this is from... Um, the current chairman of the USCCB subcommittee for the um, Catholic Campaign for Human Development, Bishop Timothy Sr. Secondly, Bishop Sr. says, individuals and groups such as the Lepanto Institute have used inflammatory language and imagery, which mislead. And three, all of the initiatives that are supported with CCHD funding have undergone a thorough application process, which includes the approval by the local bishop and the National Subcommittee of Bishops and are closely monitored through the length of their grant to ensure that the terms of the grant agreement are strictly followed. Catholics can be confident that the Catholic Campaign for Human Development does not fund organizations that violate the moral or social teaching of the church, end quote. Well, either... um, Either um, Bishop Senior, Timothy Senior, is uh, not at the helm, either he uh, believes lies, or he believes whatever his stamps tells him without checking anything, Um, it is a travesty, absolute travesty. Michael Hitchborn continues, last week... (coughs) We published a report and sent it to each of you, that is, the Ponto Institute sent to the bishops, showing that the CCHD provided two recent grants ending in the summer of this year to Congregations United to Serve Humanity, that's the name of an organization, Congregations United to Serve Humanity, and CUSH Kush for short. In this report, we proved that CUSH and its leadership have publicly promoted ideologies contrary to Catholic moral teaching well before its grant in 2021. And we proved that this organization, fresh with Catholic funding, conducted a book drive to collect homosexual books with the intention of providing them to children as young as middle school age. We also reported that this organization was removed from the list of eligibility for another CCHD grant by the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, but this action was not prompted by the CCD. Rather, local Catholics and a local investigative reporter forced the Archdiocese. They forged the Arch- excuse me, forced the Archdiocese's hand in refusing further funds to Cush. Because CUSH and its leadership were actively working against Catholic moral teaching before and during the time of its CCHD grants, this shows a complete breakdown in the CCHD's ability or willingness to properly vet and monitor its own grantees. Yesterday, Michael Hitchborn continues, we published a new report on a CCHD grantee that received its first ever grant in 2021 and received a subsequent grant in 2022. The organization, titled We Are Unchained, in Syracuse, New York, was founded and is run by a woman who is vocally pro-abortion, promotes LGBTQ ideologies, and is tied with organizational socialism. She even openly celebrated the brutal communist dictator Fidel Castro. WAU, that is We Are Unchained, WAU's employed community organizer, Jasmine Collins, was simultaneously worked working as a secretary for the Democratic Socialists of America at the time of the CCD grant. Her role with the DSA the Democratic Socialists of America was to facilitate cooperation between Syracuse, DSA, and other local activist organizations. This clearly happened as WAU partnered with the DSA and the Party for Socialism and Liberation on several occasions before and during the period of the CCHD grants. Additionally, WAU has supported and promoted a radical pro-abortion organization called Sankofa, S-A-N-K-O-F-A, Sankofa Reproductive Health and Healing Center. In fact, the woman who founded Sankofa is the niece of the founder of WAU, making the ties between the two organizations deeply unsettling. Most recently, WAU, fresh with CCHD funds publicly called for the decriminalization of homosexuality and transgenderism. Oh dear dear ones, there's the music for our first break. We will continue this when we come back from the break. We're just about at the end of Michael Hitchborn's open letter to the bishops. Um, it's, it's just a travesty. It's um, dealing in mortal sin and uh, shame on the USCCB and on the Holy Father and on everyone who allows this to happen and continue. We'll be right back after the break, beloved, and we'll take your calls and your emails following the second break. Our toll-free number, one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com.
2: Have you ever dialogued with someone who espouses relativism, which says there is no truth or it might be true for you, but not for me? It's pretty frustrating. Deep down, we know these claims are false, but we often don't know why. Here's the reason. To say there is no truth is a contradiction. The assertion is tantamount to saying it's true that there is no truth. Plain absurdity. Now the other position, there is no absolute truth, just truth relative to the individual set of beliefs, is problematic as well. The usage of the verb is implies an assertion about the objective order of things. It's the same thing as saying, it's absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, which of course is a contradiction. No matter how the relativist slices the pie, he ends up with a contradiction, making relativism an unreasonable worldview. I'm Carlo Brusard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
3: Hi, Joe McLean here, host of A Catholic Take, heard on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern a bold synthesis of information and inspiration, keeping you up to date on the news and issues that you may have missed from a courageous Catholic perspective. That's A Catholic Take, weekday morning, 7 a.m., right here on the Station of the Cross and the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. Download it today. God love you.
1: The Station of the Cross has many ways to keep you informed about our programming. You can view the highlights of our primetime programming schedule or the full 24-7 programming grid at both thestationofthecross.com or the free iCatholic Radio app. Just search under the programming tab. Our website also offers a printable version for your convenience. And we are in the middle of reading um, a letter, uh, open letter to the bishops of the world from the Lepanto Institute. Um, they are upright. They are solidly Catholic, and they trace. They have traced um, the monies being given at this point from the USCCB and different so-called Catholic organizations to. Uh, those who ask for grants, and what we're reading shows that they are uh, giving to uh, the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. They are giving to. Um, oh dear, I think I just, I think I just lost it. Hold on now. Huh? I think I did lose it. I'll have to get it back. They are giving to. Um, organizations that support abortion, homosexuality, um, child trafficking, um, transgenderism, every abomination of not just Catholic moral teaching, but to destroy the human being. And how individual bishops, when I was at a particular diocese previous uh, to Texas, two dioceses previous... Um, the bishop at the time uh, they were giving to the cchd uh, to a christian research institute and i don't know how many people of the diocese went to the bishop and showed them that christian research institute is funding condoms and immorality throughout the world um and Uh, No, no, not Christian Research. I'm so sorry. I think it's Christian Relief Services. Christian Research Institute, you're wonderful, and I apologize for that mishap. Uh, Christian Relief Services, they are funding, Catholic Campaign for Human Development and other organizations are funding the culture of death in our world. And we went to the bishop, and he still continued to um, distribute envelopes at the masses when they did a um, uh, campaign to raise money for Catholic Relief Services. And just you turn a blind eye, and you continue to feed devastation and death to the world. I don't understand it for a moment. I don't understand how any bishop can do that. I don't understand how any priest can do that. you will be accountable before God. You can excuse yourself before people. You can take the word of your staff below you. And you are the one who's accountable. It's absolutely awful what is happening. Um, I don't know that I'll get this back. I can try uh, Lepanto. Um, let's just... Oh, how sweet. Okay. Um Okay, Catholic-funded organization has direct ties to Marxist abortion providers and LGBTQ activism. And you can go to Lepanto, and it's all there. Um, uh, Let me just continue down here. Um, According to the CCHD's 2021-22 grant list, It provided a $35,000 grant to an organization, the Diocese of Syracuse, called We Are Unchained. We already read that. It's just awful. Um, Had the CCHD actually done its due diligence, it would have been clear very quickly that Emily Napier, Singletary, um, um, Derek, uh, Derek Singletary, Uh, is incarcerated, serving a 10-year service, uh, service, sentence rather, and is affiliated with the Democratic Socialists of America, the Party for Socialism and Liberation. He's pro-abortion and promotes homosexual and transgender ideologies. Um, Excuse me. On August 13, 2016, this gentleman who's incarcerated, Singletary, retweeted a happy birthday message for brutal communist dictator Fidel Castro, who was quoted for his statement that he finds capitalism repugnant. repugnant. Um, And in 2016, he tweeted a tribute to George Jackson, which quoted him calling for the destruction of capitalism, calling capitalism and its supporters the enemy, and repeating the Marxist axiom that life is permanent revolution. Um, there's so many charges here just go to lepanto just go to uh, lepanto uh, www.lepantoin.org l e p a n t o i n.org and it's it's an it's just devastating i'm i personally am grateful for michael hitchborn he is honest he is upright He and his family are fully, fully, fully Catholic. And um, for the bishops of this world should consider Michael Hitchborn and his group, Lepanto Institute. Um, A tremendous gift to the church because he's doing what bishops then don't need to do or don't need to hire staff to do. He's utterly trustworthy. And the bishops are not only ignoring him, they're going against him. And no matter what proof he shows, um, um, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Um, he, in the conclusion of a particular port, uh, report I'm looking at online from Lepanto, he says the organization We Are Unchained, that again, the uh, Campaign for Human Development is donating millions to, he says We Are Unchained That organization was founded by an individual whose ideologies are directly opposed to both Catholic moral and social teaching. She is a self-possessed queer woman. She is pro-abortion. These are her words. She's pro-abortion. She promotes transgender and homosexual ideologies. She celebrates brutal communist dictators and Marxist activists. Her niece is the foundress of a pro-abortion organization, that Unchained has supported and promoted. Unchained itself is directly tied to socialist organizations. The Democratic Socialists uh, of America, the Party for Socialism and Liberation, Unchained's community community organizer, simultaneously worked for Unchained while acting as secretary for the Democratic Socialists of America and thus while And this, while Unchained was receiving a grant from the CCHD. Uh, I don't know how much to read of this. Unchained has forged for itself a commitment to fight for homosexual and transgender rights. This is who the Campaign for Human Development is funding, beloved. And they're funding it with your contributions right from your parishes. Um, the report concludes there is no denying that Unchained is an organization that should never have received Catholic funds. And any competent investigator should have found out what we discovered. Once again, this proves that the CCHD, the campaign, um, Catholic Campaign for Human Development's application, vetting, and ongoing monitoring process is completely broken. Well, that's those that nice language. I think it's demonic. It's not broken, it's demonic. To have so much wrong with it, to have people at the helm who are against Catholic teaching and have the head of the UCCSB, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, say all these findings are wrong. It's just demonic. We are calling upon, Michael Hitchborn says, all Catholic bishops of the United States to demand a full, independent, third-party investigation of CCHD grantees, and to halt all participation in the CCHD. Um, it gives a full list of bishops um, uh, of who you to whom you could send this. All these facts and all these articles, you know. Um, I, I don't. I personally don't understand it. Uh, I don't know how any bishop could be a part of this, want to go with the flow and keep silent in the face of evil, in the face of lives being murdered and destroyed. I don't understand how a single individual could ever do that. If you're a bishop and you really believe this, you should not be in the church. And if you don't believe it, where is your voice? Where is your muscle for not giving a single penny to the CCHD, the the USCCB has no authority over anybody. In fact, I remember Pope Benedict XVI um, counseling against the formation of a United States Conference of Catholic Bishops because the bishops report directly to the Pope. They don't report to the conference. They can't be told what to do it could be suggested they could be a resource, but there no one reports to them. No bishop reports to them. The bishop reports directly to the Pope. And if a bishop is reporting to an organization that is in support of demonic situations where things everyone remains silent, including the the bishop that's put in charge, I believe the USCB USCCB should be completely abolished. It, it has uh, championed um, Biden for president. It has championed the fact that um, Catholics in, in public, who are public sinners should receive uh, communion. It, it, they should not exist. They should not exist. I don't know anyone in the United States that has the power to close them down. Perhaps the Pope does. I don't expect him to do it because evil has crept into their organization the way it has crept into the world. So um, it's, it's awfully disheartening. What is a Catholic to do? Beloved, we are simply to know, to learn, to know, to love, and to live our faith without compromising. Not using a single priest, a single bishop, anyone as our example Unless we know that they're following Christ without fail, as the Apostle Paul says, "Follow me as I follow Christ." If I stop following Christ. Stop following me. The USCCB is not following Christ. They may uh, give one or two issues where they agree, just as they currently said in the um, meeting in Baltimore that abortion is a higher priority than climate change. That shouldn't even be a discussion. That's obvious. That's just simply obvious. How could climate change, be, climate change be more of a priority than murder? Of course, murder. It's not for the bishops to decide. It's what God has said. You don't kill. Thou shalt not kill. Not thou shalt not bring smoke into the air. Thou shalt not kill. Um, it's not the bishops to make that decision. It's to them to, to come under it, to reverence God. There's the music for our break, beloved, and we'll be back um, to um, take your calls and your emails following the break with anything on your heart. We'll have a whole half hour, and our lines are open, and the toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live But I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as the Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to the Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app.
3: Did you know that an unwanted car or truck can make a great gift? When the time comes to purchase a new one, consider donating your old car or truck to the Station of the Cross. We have a quick and simple way for you to get rid of your unwanted vehicle while supporting the solid Catholic programming you love listening to on your radio, online, and through your mobile devices. Whether they run or not, we accept cars, trucks, RVs, boats, and motorcycles. It's a great opportunity for you to give more than you might normally be able to. At the same time, you'll be clearing out space in your garage or driveway, ridding yourself of an unwanted vehicle. Just visit us online at thestationofthecross.com or call one 628 cars one 628 2277 May God bless you for your generosity in support of Catholic Radio hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one maybe there's a guest, prayer or teaching segment that deserves another listen you can listen to any of our network produced programs at your convenience by finding us wherever you enjoy podcasts Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts Podbean and the free iCatholic Radio app be uplifted in your faith listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform
1: Beloved to Mother Miriam live. This is our half hour together, my favorite time. Our lines are open. You're most welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. And the toll-free number, 1-877-511-5483. Email at mother at the station of the Uh, We have a comment from YouTube from Paul. Paul says, the Lutherans at the restaurant I go to after Mass laugh and say the Catholic Church is Lutheran and that they imitate the Lutherans in everything. How would you respond to this? I would say to those people, well, good for you that you notice the similarities. What you don't notice is what uh, was thrown out with Martin Luther. How could the Catholic Church imitate Lutheranism when the Catholic Church was founded 2,000 years ago and Martin Luther left and formed his own group uh, 1,500 years later, Lutheranism began in 1517. So how could be the Catholic Church that existed 1,500 years prior to the Lutheran uh, be copying Lutheranism? No, uh, that Luther was a Catholic monk and left the Catholic Church and uh, married a nun who left uh, religious life and uh, formed his own um, And um, the Catholic Church does not imitate Lutheranism, for sure. But um, what I would suggest is that you can tell your friends this, and you can also go to the Coming Home Network International. And there is a book that they've put out, they've printed, uh, just as Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the Wittenberg door, the, I think the book is titled 95 Reasons Why I Became Catholic, and these are all Lutherans who came home to the Catholic Church that Martin Luther left. And so Coming Home uh, coming home, Network International, excuse me, um, and you can get that book and, and read it yourself and or give it to them. We have an email from someone who uh, writes anonymously and says, Hello, Mother. <clears throat> My son is trying to find his way back to his Catholic faith, what good news, but is struggling to find a conservative Novus Ordo Catholic Church in the Corpus Christi, Texas area. For him, having a male figure to answer questions he has about the faith and provide guidance and support, For temptations young single men encounter in today's world is important but hard to find. I agree with you, it's hard to find, but also very important. He has family in the Northeast, but not much in Texas. Can you recommend any, or how should he search a church out? I mentioned the Latin Mass, but he says he needs to follow along with what is happening during Mass. Thank you. Well. Uh, I would suggest to him that uh, there are books that help him follow along, the little red book that help him follow along, and if he gives himself uh, a little time, even a month's time, he will know what's happening and he will fall in love with the Latin Mass. If he insists on Novus Ordo, and I don't know if there's a Latin Mass in Corpus Christi that's still allowed to function uh, after Traditionis Custodis, I don't know. But if I were him, I would look up all the Catholic churches in Corpus Christi, Texas. I would look them up, and I would, as much as possible, visit a different one every Sunday and find the one that is most conservative, that he would want to go to most. It's the only way to do it. Um, When I was looking into the Catholic church, I went to every Catholic church within two hours from my home. And it was before I was Catholic. I wanted to find the church that... um, that functioned according to the beauty I was reading. And I never found it. <laughs> but I entered the church anyway, because it was all Novus Ordo, and I didn't know about the Latin Mass then. But um, but yes, um, and the fact is, I did enter the Catholic Church through a Novus Ordo church, quite beautiful and reverent. Um, uh, those of you who may know Monsignor um, John T. O'Connor, he was pastor of... Um, St. Joseph's Church um, in Millbrook, New York, and he led me into the church and confirmed me, and a very, very beautiful, a beautiful man who died a few years ago. Um, so, and that's what I would say to him. Just go to the website, put Catholic churches in Corpus Christi, print it out, look up how close they are to where you live, and uh, methodically go to a different one each Sunday, even if it takes you a few months and you'll find the church you want to be at. And if you don't, um, I would not hesitate visiting a Latin church. It'll be very quickly. Uh, Some years ago, uh, we took in a woman. She's not with us now in our religious order, and she had been um, Novus Ordo, and she came to the Latin church with us, and she was horrified by it or disgusted by it. We came home. She said, Mother... Um, I will never go to a Latin Mass again. There's no interaction, there's no singing, there's no holding hands, and no... Uh-uh. And I said, well, uh, you don't have to go. This is in a prison, you can leave. If you're staying with us, you're going to go. If you don't want to go, there's the door, there's not a problem. Well, she wanted to stay with us, and she continued to go. And within a month, she came to me, and she said, I've never been to anything more beautiful. She said, I have time to pray, I have time to enter in, It's so much reverence, and she came to love it in a very short time, so I would suggest that as well. We have an email from a Mr. Blanc who says, Hello, Mother, I've been to churches where people raise their hands during the Our Father. Is it allowed? Well, apparently it is allowed. People raise their hands all over the place, um, and it is allowed, but it's not rubrics. Uh, The only one that should raise their hands during the Our Father is the priest who says the prayer. He is the only one to raise his hands, not the laity. So churches allow it, but it's not in the rubrics, and it's not the position for the laity to do that. Um, We have an email from Gerard who says, Good morning, Mother. There are some churches that seem to always have an abundance of extraordinary ministers, serving at their masses. Sometimes parishes not only have lots of extraordinary ministers, but they have communion lines in multiple places, even facing the back of the church. What is the church's guidance on the use of extraordinary ministers and on the logistics of how the people are to process, process to receive communion? Oh, The church's guidance on the use of extraordinary ministers is they are to be used for extraordinary purposes, not assigned weekly spots, not all over the church, facing front and back and sidewards. It is only the sacred hands of a priest that is to distribute communion, not even a deacon. Only the sacred hands of a priest who is to distribute communion. The church allows, not for so-called Eucharistic ministers, but extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist, Uh, for extraordinary purposes. And having many uh, people at a Mass is not an extraordinary purpose. Uh, Hopefully, and I've seen this at even Latin Masses where they're full, uh, there's a second priest. um, The second priest is always available for the distribution of communion and comes in for that time, and they take turns. So that's the way it should be, even just simply one or two priests or as many priests as there are not deacons, not lay people so again uh, the church allows extraordinary ministers but um, uh, if the priest is not able to or some extraordinary purpose that's what the church has allowed, Novus Ordo Church uh, has allowed for extraordinary ministers but not for six people to sign up every week there's nothing extraordinary about that we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says in your opinion what is the best way to prepare for advent and the coming christmas season we have talked about this a few times and um we will be mailing out uh, next week we're going to be mailing out our Advent Christmas newsletter. It's the earliest we've ever been able to mail it out because we're trying desperately to get it to you before Advent because it focuses very much on Advent, but also on Christmas. Um, It's a huge newsletter. And if you, because it's the only one we've put out for a year, uh, it's uh, 32 pages, it's the largest one we've ever done. And um, if you're not on a mailing list, go, you're welcome now, Uh, To go to motherofisraelshope.org, and under uh, toward the right, click under newsletter, and you can sign up even today um, by email and or regular mail. Uh, We'll send our email newsletter out in about a week, and we'll send um, in the mail the rest, the the uh, snail mail, so to speak, newsletters out. Uh, We also have a um, six-page, no, no a four-page um, brochure of books, tapes, CDs, DVDs, holy cards, everything we have accumulated from all the places we've been that we have extras up. And um, we put the beginning of brochure It's 50 to 70% off, and we're going to mail that out in an email soon also and then include it with our Christmas newsletter. So if you're not on our mailing list, if you are, you'll get these things, and if you're not, go to motherofisraelshope.org, click on newsletters, and right at the top, you can subscribe, subscribe e- email or regular mail, or both. We don't mind you getting regular mail. Some people want to save us the postage, but we normally put in holy cards and other things with regular mail that people that get the email don't always get unless they ask. Okay. So the best way to prepare for Advent and the coming Christmas season, the reason I mentioned the newsletter is because it says that. And as soon as we send the email out, it's going to be online. So you can go to org. Our homepage will have it as well. Um, what I've said is that during Advent, um, we shouldn't have lights up. We shouldn't have our Christmas tea decorated. We, we shouldn't even have Christmas trees until Christmas Eve. But if you do, And if you put lights on, and if you put lights around the house, I would beg you not to put them on, not to turn them on. I know the world does, but the fact is we're waiting for the Messiah. And to have lights up is simply the world's holiday. It has nothing to do with Christianity. But if we put everything in place and we don't flip the electric switch until Christmas Eve, if the whole world did this, The whole world, all over the place, would light up. Homes, trees, stores, would all light up. And everybody would say, what happened? Did a bomb go off? What happened? And the answer would be, the Messiah came. God came to earth. And it starts Christmas Eve, and it doesn't end the day after Christmas. It ends February 2nd. So when everybody's taking down their lights and trees, we have them on. And then people say, you got to take your lights down. Christmas is over. And we can begin to teach them. It's not over until the presentation of our Lord in the temple. So the best way to prepare for Advent, dear one, is to teach your children all of that, to explain to them the liturgical year, and that the first Sunday of Advent, which this year is December 3rd, is our Catholic New Year. It begins our calendar, not January 1st is the secular New Year, but the religious New Year begins with Advent. Advent means the coming, the coming of the Messiah. And we wait for his coming by living holy lives, not by decorating, not by shopping, but by having an Advent wreath, lighting a candle each week, uh, four weeks representing the 4,000 years uh, prior to Christ's coming. And um, if you can, do your shopping now before advent begins all your shopping have everything in place and make a little crib for the christ child and as michael matt has taught his family and us make a little crib it could be out of wood could be homemade could be bought it doesn't matter make a little crib and get a whole pile of straw and every time you your children anyone do a good act let them take the straw and put it in the cradle and the idea is we do that through all of Advent so that when the baby comes, Christmas Eve, the cradle will be full and fluffy for him to sleep in. And sing Advent songs and um, and pray Advent prayers. They're all over the Internet. God bless you, dear ones. We'll be with
2: you.
0: We, the people,
2: are guaranteed five freedoms in the First Amendment.
0: Freedom of speech. Freedom of religion. Freedom of the press. Freedom to peacefully assemble. Freedom to petition the government.
2: Only the United States has these five freedoms so simply bound together and guaranteed. Think first. Learn more at thinkfirstamendment.org.
3: We hear all the time from listeners who discovered the station by seeing a Tri-God bumper magnet in traffic. You can request a pre bumper magnet and start evangelizing just by driving around town. Go to thestationofthecross.com and click on promotional material under the About tab. There, you can request a magnet for your listening area. We even have one for the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Request yours today.
0: Did you know that an unborn child begins to form fingerprints at 10 weeks of development? This feature is fully formed by the 17th week of pregnancy. Just like the unborn child's precious soul, the baby's fingerprints are unique and unrepeatable. Human life is sacred. Think about it. Coalitionforlife.com The Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network is dedicated to answering the critical need of access to quality, consistent, professional, and proven Catholic programming. We cannot rely on other media outlets to properly represent our church. Catholic Radio reaches Catholics, non-Catholic Christians, and non-believers alike. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent of your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported.
1: I almost ended the program last segment, but we have another segment, Uh, so I'm so happy. We have 10 minutes more, and you're welcome to call in. Our lines are open, toll-free 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at com. We have an email from Kristen who writes, Hello, Mother. I was wondering what to do about my husband and 13-year-old son going up for communion despite the fact that we needed to get to confession because we missed Mass the two weeks before. My husband is a cradle Catholic, and I am a convert. And I told my husband that from what I've read and heard, we needed to get to confession before taking the Eucharist. My husband said he really needs the Eucharist, so he was going up. If this happens again, do I continue to not receive and hope they see my example? Or do I try to insist they not go up? Thank you, Kristen. No, no. You go to confession, Kristen, and you receive the Holy Eucharist. You know, it's one thing when we tell husbands and children, or when husbands tell wives, what we need to do. What you need to do is show them the church's teaching. You need to go to the, the catechism, and if you don't have one, buy one, uh, or go online. It's the whole catechism is online. And show them the church's teaching, that missing Mass on Sunday is mortal sin. Um, And if if it's venial sin, you don't have to go to confession before communion. But if it's a mortal sin, and the church says it is, it's not anybody's decision. Uh, And so uh, if it's mortal sin, it means that the individual who's committed the mortal sin, mortal means death, is already dead and separated from God. And so if they receive communion in the state of mortal sin, in the state of death, they're not receiving any grace from it. So when your husband said he really needs the Eucharist, so he was going up, he won't get it. He'll get the Eucharist, but not an ounce of that grace will be applied to his soul because he's dead and separated from God. And what he will be doing is committing mortal sin on top of mortal sin. You need to show him that in writing, show him what the... What the catechism says, and explain that to him. Honey, you said that you're going, you need it, so you were going up, but it's null and void for you. It won't do you any good at all because you're dead and separated from God, and you will be mocking God and committing another grave sin to take the Eucharist apart from your being reunited with God and forgiven, which can only happen through uh, conf- the confessional. So explain those things to him but also show him where they're written down. He doesn't understand that. I think if he did, he would not make the decision to go up again and basically spit in God's face uh, and, and think he's receiving grace when he is not. We have an email from Adam who says, A friend recently told me that Jesus actually put an end to the ordained priesthood with his words in scripture, referring referencing Hebrews 10.18. When I looked up that verse, I didn't see anything to support that claim unless I made an error. How could this be the case if we still have priests today? Well, I wish you would have included Hebrews 10.18 in this verse, which I don't know by heart. So um, maybe James can look this up um, while, we, while we take the next email. Um, We have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, what is the difference between oral traditions and the other traditions of the church? Can oral traditions be changed in a way that the others cannot? I was always under the impression that all traditions of the church could not be changed because they're just that, traditions. How does the Holy See determine which traditions can and cannot be changed? Good question. And um, the Apostle Paul writes uh, to the Thessalonians, Second 2 Thessalonians 2.15, that they are to adhere to the traditions that he has taught them, either by word or mouth. And so the church tells us which traditions are mandatory and which are simply um, uh, up for option, and such as... Um, let me just see. Um, I'm trying to think of a of a tradition. Um, uh, I, I don't have examples at the moment. I should. Um, it, the same way the Jews had when when God said, "Follow what Moses did, uh, not what he does, but what he says." So, um, let me just say. Um, um, in the deposit of faith um i'm I'm flustering here I, i know in my heart um there's such a thing as the traditions of men and the traditions of god um the traditions of men we are not to follow the traditions of god we are to follow um so what god has told us to do through scripture we must do and um What men have come up with that are not from God, that are not from Scripture, or not from the magisterium of the church, we're not to do. Why am I at a loss at the moment for a good analogy here? Um, uh, As a Protestant for 18 years, we condemn tradition because it's only Scripture. But Scripture does not say anywhere say, only Scripture is infallible scripture does not say that um in fact it's the church that gave the world scripture and so um scripture is infallible and the church um, is the one who taught the meaning of those scriptures to the early church fathers um so again the traditions of the church there's a um, I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on an analogy which I shouldn't be blank on, but there's a book called um, Fundamentals of the Faith. It's by Ludwig Ott O T T, um, and in that book, Fundamentals of the Faith or Fundamentals of the Catholic Faith or Fundamentals of Catholicism, uh, it's sold by Catholic.com, Catholic Answers, and many others. Um, It's written by Ludwig Ott, I believe Father Ludwig Ott, OTT, and that is an incredible, um, tremendous resource. It teaches through the entire Catholic faith and gives the degree of fallibility, infallibility, and certainty for all the doctrines that are taught. Um, An example of the tradition of men would be not to eat meat on Friday, uh, that's not a doctrine, but that is what the church has told us to do, and we are we are to obey that. It's not in Scripture. And when the church changed, uh, not eating meat on Friday, to um, to making a sacrifice on Friday, many many left the church because they said, "Well, if the church changes doctrine, it's not the Church of Christ." It was not doctrine but it was a discipline which was given by the church. Those are the traditions of men, given by the church for its sheep to obey. And in Vatican II, they wanted Catholics to mature in their understanding. So to simply say, stay away from meat on Friday, people would go to a restaurant, I know because I was a a waitress in one of them, uh, and order a huge lobster feast. Well, that's not the point. The point is entering in to the sacrifice of Christ On every single Friday and so uh, if you were vegetarian you never had meat so where was the sacrifice Uh, if you were below 14 or above 59 whatever the age limits you still should enter into the sacrifice of Christ and so the church said they loosened the issue of not necessarily abstaining from meat every Friday except the Fridays of Lent but Picking something that is a sacrifice that you join in the sacrifice of Christ and you don't go to a restaurant and have a lobster feast, Uh, but you do obey the church and the sacrifice on Friday has never, ever been lifted. And so perhaps that's an example of the tradition of the church that is not the tradition of mere men, but of our prelates to guide us.